Hello and welcome to this episode of Astrology and Stuff, the podcast where we talk about serious subjects without taking ourselves too seriously. I'm Sampriti, your hostess and sacred clown. Thank you so much for being here. All right, friends, how did those retrogrades go for you? Um, we, we had a few. We're still in the middle of a few. Um, thankfully, all of our personal planets, Mars, Venus, and Mercury, are out of, um, out of retrograde. Uh, Mo- Mars is nowhere near the review period. Venus is just exiting at the time of me recording this. Venus is just exiting the sign in which she went retrograde. And uh, Mercury has exited as well. But before we move on to today's subject, I want to remind you of some offerings and let you know that my October books are open for natal chart readings, soulful doula readings, a peek into your human design, perhaps. Um, All of that is up at www.astrogeomantica.net. And if you follow me on social, or if you would like to follow me on social, at Sampriti Life is where you can find um, all of that info, all of my content, and a link to everything that's going on in my neck of the woods. Um, so I'm really, really excited about the newest offering, the Soulful Doula uh, readings. They are ways to get into deeper and more intuitive and intelligent touch with your, the element of your desire, Um, the anatomy of longing for something, longing to create something or some, a future somebody (laughs) even, and the anatomy and the physiology and the intentionality of how that actually comes to being into being and how that manifests. Um, a lot more details are up at the website. And then, of course, you can always DM me on Instagram um, to inquire further. This is groundbreaking technology that absolutely turns me on to offer. <laughs> and, um, and so if you are looking to conceive, if you have already had your kids, if you are pregnant right now, um, it's a great time to dive into the anatomy and the physiology of those energetics. But if you're not interested in conceiving of a human child and incurring that karma, <laughs> then and you're simply wanting, not simply, but you are powerfully wanting to engage in deeper relationship, engage in art, birth a business, birth a new timeline, um, this is also for you. So we are always feeling the tug of desire and of creation. It doesn't always have to be connected to bringing another soul into the world. So again... Check it out. Soulful doula offerings. 
All right. So today we are talking about eclipse season and this will probably be the first episode of a two-parter about eclipses and eclipse season and eclipse energy. This first uh, episode titled, you know, one astrologer's argument for normalizing eclipse season <laughs> should tell you a lot of about how I'm going into this particular subject. Um, and that is, is that as it happens with literally everything, either astrologically or spiritually inclined uh, subject matter, metaphysical, the mysterious, the mystical, et cetera, all of those, those adjectives, um, as we come into, and by we, I mean the individual, but also the collective we, because it's become pop culture, right? Astrology has, astrology has been some level of pop culture for quite a while, um, but it's really become pop culture, um, like girl boss, that type of pop culture, if you know what I mean, um, in the past couple of years. And the more that the collective we get on board, i.e. fold into the consensus the collective knowledge base, um, something that has been either hidden away from us or deemed, you know, other, uh, rogue or pseudoscience or, or whatever, um, kind of rebellious, that kind of thing, um, backwards, all of the things that, you know, astrology has been and still is by by many stand-up comics uh, labeled as <laughs> the, the um, when it comes into the consensus, we tend to like get really excited about it and we tend to get very dramatic about it and we tend to attach a lot of energy, a lot of, you know, think about a toddler seeing a train for the first time or, you know, going to the nature museum and seeing, you know, fossil, uh, representations of, you know, fossilized dinosaur skeletons for the first time, uh, seeing a TV show or a, a, a Batman movie for the first time, it like gets so excited and it becomes that toddler's entire, you know, scope of being is that particular subject, right? We get obsessed about it. We are the same way. As we go through the the stages of development with our own spirituality, with our own intelligence, with our own understanding just how sophisticated our humanness is, right? How many layers there are. Uh, I work right now in a store that is a metaphysical metaphysical store. Um, so we have all of the books and the tarot and oracle decks, and we have the singing bowls and the crystals and the candles and things of that nature, and a bunch of witches work there. <laughs> and we, um, and so we get exposed to folks every and magnetize, you know, folks every day who are like, I'm just getting into this sort of thing. And it's, it, it's at first, and I've talked a lot about this a lot in the very beginning of the podcast 
when talking about, you know, what brings us to astrology in the first place and things like astrology, we're externalizing, just basically coming home to information that is our birthright. Like it, it, these, these are just sets of vocabulary and grammar to describe relationships that our inner self has with the outer, you know, the outer world. Um, when we talk about or when we experience or when we embody astrology, it is an experience of coming back home to ourselves and getting into an alignment with a deeper, more um, more integral relationship with parts of ourselves that were heretofore unknown to us, right? We didn't have context for it, we didn't, but we felt it. We just didn't have the vocabulary for it and the bridge to then embody that. So what happens is we, when this starts waking up in us, we come to it as we're supposed to very immaturely, right? And we're not supposed to, very, very few of us, you know, there are some embodied humans or embodied souls rather that they're, they're very special. They are your saints and your sages and your rishis and your Christs and your Buddhas. Um, and they are able to access these types of things in a very immediate and very evolved way. Most of us humans aren't interested in that type of story, right? In that type of experience. We're interested, we're much more interested in getting getting down with it and getting into it and really hashing it out because it's through that um, full, fully fledged development that we can gain the most perspective, right? The highest amount of fractals are, are engaged when we start at the beginning, right? Um, and I'm speaking very broadly. Obviously, there are incarnations where we evolve, we evolve, we are born into, and we are at a, that's what evolution is, and trans, transincarnational evolution is, is we have learned a set of lessons the previous lifetime that then we can apply that wisdom to and through in the next lifetime or in whichever lifetime that we choose to then apply it. There is a, um, a progressive evolution that happens. Um, I'm not necessarily speaking just to that. I'm speaking of like the smaller cycles. Sorry. Once again, the cats have the zoomies as soon as I talk, as soon as I bring the mic out. So you're going to hear the, the cats rumble and tumble, and you're going to hear me spray the squeaky spray bottle. Anyway, so when it comes to, um, it seems like on Instagram and in the blog sphere and, you know, in the, the current events, right? The astrological current events, it seems that every other day there's something, you know, really flashy to get really excited about astrologically, isn't there? Let's, I just did a, a released a three-part series on retrogrades because everybody's talking about Mercury retrograde. 
that was a couple of years ago. Everybody started talking about Mercury retrograde. Now everybody's talking about like all the fucking retrogrades, right? Um, it's incredible to see <laughs> who is talking. Like Forbes, Forbes, Bon Appetit, Time Magazine, I think, um, like all have had these either columns, like s- editorial columns, or um, at least, uh, you know, one off articles about astrology and about like the transits, which is incredible and hilarious to me. Um, all of these like squares getting into it. Um, but the now every, you know, and, and then everybody really got on the eclipse board, uh, on the eclipse bandwagon. And how do you get more attention? How do you get more likes? How do you get more monetization? Um, you dram, you dramatize something, you make it really flashy and you make it so that people feel like they have to pay attention to this. And if they, you know, at their risk, if they don't, um, and you know, getting them to buy in. So this is obvious, this is applied in our late stage capitalist, you know, colonializing, um, power hungry society, this is a, this is like a fundamental law of nature to do this. You know, you want the attention of the individual to move in your direction so that you can benefit, right? However that benefit is. Um, so with the eclipse, eclipses, it's really, really easy to get very fear mongery and very just overall attention grabby with the eclipses. Um, because historically speaking, they have, they have pulled focus, right? We're not just talking about late stage capitalistic, um, you know, earth. We're talking about, you know, earth of, you know, hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, we have documentation of like people documented, uh, the, the eclipses, right. And they documented them hard and they observed the eclipses and then correlated them to other events. Just like, you know, it, it comes through folklore, uh, through the, the comets and, you know, the, the Pleiades and et cetera. There, there are document, there's documentation of all of these astronomical events moving throughout history. It's just now we're experiencing that version of it, but because it's now, it's connected. We're experiencing our own, you know, hey, look at me, pay attention to me. I have information to give you about these eclipses. And if you don't pay attention or if you don't pay me money or if you don't give me likes, then um, then it's not going to go well for you. So as I always try to do, as is always one of my intentions, I talk into this microphone about astrological or para-astrological stuff in order to be like, hey, friends, how can we exam- How can we cast a more critical eye on pop culture when it comes to them talking about our mental, emotional, spiritual, physical health? Meaning, how can we find more self-agency and how can we really be the the commanders of our own ship when it comes to what we pay attention to? And I recognize the irony. I'm asking you to pay attention to my words right now. 
<laughs> but only only doing that if you really want to, if it turns you on, if it if it feels good in your body, all of that. Um, and then, of course, with that caveat of, you know, pay attention to what what does resonate with you and leave all the rest and then, you know, move on to the next thing that you really want to pay attention to. So when it comes to eclipses, eclipses aren't, they are a big deal and they really aren't as big of a deal as our culture is purporting them to be. Um, eclipses happen multiple times every single year, right? If, if you remember back to like the Saturn-Jupiter conjunction at winter solstice in December of 2020, um, if you were paying attention back then, that was way more rare than, than any eclipse, uh, nearly any eclipse, I'll say. Um, because these, these cycles are normal. And that's why I'm like, I, my intention internally with myself is to normalize eclipse energy. And then of course, that's what's going to come out of my mouth when I start talking about it is let's normalize, let's pay attention to cast a critical eye on what eclipses are, how often they happen, what they actually do and Pay attention, maybe with that in- new information, that critique coming into this upcoming eclipse season, maybe we can kind of pay attention to with a clearer filter of, oh, is am I really feeling this eclipse season or am I just, you know, thinking that I should feel this eclipse season because I'm scared that if I don't, I'm not in on the joke or I'm not getting it. It's the FOMO, the fucked up FOMO that I get the most frustrated with um, and really try to set a personal boundary around when it comes to, especially like astrology within the social media sphere. Um, Eclipses happen because the sun and the moon and the earth are in a particular alignment. And I'm going to utilize a really, some, some language from... Um, a great evolutionary astrologer named Stephen Forrest, F-O-R-R-E-S-T. And feel free to Google him. He's got some great um, articles and classes and resources. But in particular, I, I read a, up a lot of him on him, his language and his um, energy around the, the eclipses as a very dependable uh, evolutionary astrologer. And he, as the way he puts it, eclipses are basically supercharged new moons and supercharged full moons, okay? Uh, Solar eclipses happen at the new moon, all right? The upcoming next new moon is a solar eclipse. It's the new moon in Libra at 21 degrees Libra. And it's a, why is it a solar eclipse? Why isn't every other new moon a solar eclipse? Why isn't every new moon when the sun and the moon come together, astrologically speaking, uh, why don't we get like the shadow and the big hullabaloo and the animal sacrifices and all, I'm just kidding. Um, All of that, unless, you know, you do you. Why is that? It's because the of the nodes, okay, the north node and the south node. Um, we shorten it, or we, I as an astrologer, I shorten it, I just call it the nodes. Sometimes I will call it the lunar nodes because that's what they are. The lunar nodes are 
are the points of the moon that face, hello, north and south, or point north and south. And when the sun is close enough to one of those nodes, sometimes it's a south node, sometimes it's a north node, this next time it's going to be the south node in Libra, um, that means that the, the closer it gets, the more com- you know, the more complete that that um, that eclipse is going to be. Okay, when the moon comes to you know st- makes its makes her way around the wheel and comes closer and closer and closer to the sun, the closer that new moon is going to be to the nodes, the more complete that eclipse is going to be astrologically speaking. Okay. And the significance, I'm not going to get into the astronomical significance of this because I am a biology nerd and not altogether a cosmology and an um, astronomy nerd. Okay. I, my, you know, a voice in the back of my head is saying, well, if you're going to be an astrologer, why, why can't you be an astronomer too? Wouldn't you be a better astrologer? No, no, I would not be a better astrologer if I spent all of my time also in the astronomy. I'm going to let my gut pull me to the astronomy that is cogent to the astrology that I'm actually talking about. So, um, I highly, highly, recommend you going down the NASA rabbit hole and all of those other fantastic astronomy rabbit holes to, you know, if you feel called to, to get all of the information on what eclipses are and represent astronomically, we're here for the astrology. Okay. So astrologically speaking, a a solar eclipse is super duper, is supercharged because not only is the sun aligning with the lunar nodes, okay, the, the moon, like the actual lunar nodes are, uh, that center of the moon is aligning with the center of the sun. Okay. Why, why does that matter? You know, why, why would that give us any type of supercharge? Simply put, solar energy and lunar energy, how they photonically interact with, and again, I'm not a physicist, okay? Um, This is just me talking in as an astrologer. How they interact with mm, the ionosphere and all of the spheres and the atmosphere around the earth, when they are all together, it's a very specific very localized energy. Okay. We, it's not spread out. It's not prismatic. So think of a prism where you hold it in the light and you've got Roy G. Biv, right? Red, orange, yellow, um, green, blue, indigo, violet. Pretend you held a prism up and you just to the light and you just got one beam of light right? One beam of energy. And yes, I know white light is always made up of these seven components, but go with me with this uh, poor metaphor, please. Everything, nothing is spread out. Everything is localized. So all of the energy that we are getting from the sun is moving through 
all of the energy of the moon and it's hitting us. And so it's as if we are in a new moon, but it is hyper-focused, okay? It is hyper, hyper-focused. And what's kind of more important is kind of looking at the filters through which this energy, this hyper-focused energy is moving, i.e. the archetype stencil, uh, Libra, right? The sign, um, the degree mark, okay? If you're getting that, um, that detailed with it. Most importantly, where is this beam of, of you know, evolutionary photonic energy um, showing up in your chart, right? 21 degrees, Jesus Christ. Sorry, I'm just still taking it all in. 21 degrees for me, uh, Libra, is one degree off from my retrograde Saturn, which is squaring my nodes in my fourth house. Okay, so this solar eclipse, I'm just sharing with you kind of patterning and or modeling rather um, the embodiment factor of this or the, the, the first layer of the embodiment factor of this, um, this transit is then applying it to my chart. So I happen to have a pretty hefty uh, significance in my chart. The Venus retrograde, well, no, I won't want, I don't, I don't want to say that. There have been plenty of eclipses where it's just kind of out in the middle of nowhere in my chart. It may angle some minor planet or an asteroid, but it doesn't, it's, it's not, there's not a whole lot of densification of energy into the embodiment of a planet uh, available there. This, this, um, this one is different. This is going to be right on top of my Saturn and it's going, as a result, it's going to be squaring my lunar nodes. So I know, I know to expect a whole lot, uh, a moderate amount to a whole lot of shift. Does this mean that I have to batten down the hatches? Does this mean that I have to do anything differently? No. Simply my awareness is, is enough, right? Simply my awareness is enough. In fact, I would argue that the intentionality and the doingness that we like to put into working with the moon in, in normal new moons and normal non-supercharged full moons, the doingness energy within eclipse season is going to be one of letting go, especially with lunar eclipses, which are full moon energy, um, supercharged, and especially with solar eclipses that are aligned with the south node, which this one is, okay? Because the south node is that, it's that karmic programming of the past. It's everything that we landed in this life programmed, already programmed with, already mastered, check. Already entangled with, check. Maybe we want to utilize this life to um, um, resolve, you know, some of that entanglement, right? Maybe we don't. But the, the south node is 
the the opposite of that enthusiast that soul level enthusiasm of moving forward evolutionary. And it's not that that the North Node with that soul level evolutionary enthusiasm, that's also a Stephen Forrestism. I love that evolutionary enthusiasm as related to how the North Node feels. It doesn't mean that the North Node is always good and the South Node is always bad. There's no good and bad. There's no moralism. It's simply math. It's simply, it's opposite, right? If our sensation and our beingness with the North Node is one of like, put me in coach, you know, I, oh, I want to go to there, bring me to the thing on a soul level, then our beingness, our sensation with the South Node is going to be one of a couple of things. It's very nuanced. It's one of comfort. It's like, oh, this feels comfy. I feel safe here because it's familiar, done it, been there, done that. And on the other side of that coin for, you know, because our soul is in constant and consistent evolution, there's a stag, there, there can be kind of a, an overripe sensation there perhaps of, I'm going to circle this drain one more time before I, (laughs) I leave, uh, because, because it feels good. And I am resisting that urge to move on because that's scary. Um, that can be that can be a magnetic experience of the south node. So all the more reason for this upcoming solar eclipse, perhaps it's a do less. And and I brought this up in the the Patreon episode this week of hmm, the difference between the sensation of taking a breath or breathing and being breathed allow perhaps all of the cosmic forces outside of you and inside of you to breathe you. We, in doing so, we take our place of command by relinquishing our grip on control. We don't have to have control here because we trust in ourselves and we trust in natural law. And this particular south node solar eclipse is in Libra. And Libra hearkens the second half of the zodiacal wheel. And there is a sensation of kind of a brave new world uh, that... that works and cohabitates with Aries, the polarity partner of, of Libra. Whereas Aries enters us into the entire zodiacal sphere, but also a subset of that is the first half of that zodiacal sphere, the bottom half of our wheel. The Libra, the seventh house that Libra rules, um, that archetype ushers us in also into a, a new world right? One that is transpersonal, one that is outside of ourselves. And so the glyph for Libra for in Western astrology is the scales. And I've brought this up before too, I think mostly on the Patreon, 
the card, the tarot card, the major arcana tarot card for Libra in the Thoth deck is it's called adjustment. And it's Ma'at, the Egypt, the embodiment of the Egyptian philosophy and natural force of balance and harmony. And Ma'at is there and she's dressed very interestingly as this hyper stylized Harlequin. And she's carrying these scales and the scales cut horizontally across the card and Ma'at's body cuts vertically. And it's a beautiful image. And it, it points to the Egyptian philosophy and methodology of when we die, part, the part of us that either reincarnates or then moves on to the afterlife, um, that's embodied by a heart. And the heart is weighed on the scales of Ma'at. Uh, Anubis is there. And our heart is going to take up one tray and a feather representing the lightness of balance, the lightness of being uh, is going to be in the other in the other half of the scale, the other tray of the scale. And the it's the goal, if there's a goal, right? The goal is that the heart is either balanced or it's lighter than a feather. It's as light or lighter than a feather by the time we are done with that lifetime, okay? If it's not, if it's heavier, it's gobbled up by this beautiful, beautiful creature that I have just immediately forgotten the name of. I'm so sorry. Um, it's gobbled up by this creature to, in order to enforce a recycling. Um, that soul needs to go back and continue the story because the story's not done. And that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful um, theme or a beautiful byline of Libra and of this whole thing that we're talking about is un, we're not done until we are light. We're not done until there is a lightness of heart. And there's this, this really cool phrase. I don't know to whom to attribute it. Um, it's all is well in the end and all will be well in the end. And if it's not well, then it's not the end. Okay. So this heart, this soul, this, un, until there is a lightness, it gets a chance to go back and continue to develop that. So in Libra, with this, this south node in Libra, moving through Libra, there's really a, an, a weather eye on this part of ourselves of we finished the first half of our evolutionary cycle. And we're now entering into the second half, the last half. There's kind of a a bead on the end of, of Pisces on Pisces. And therefore there's a bit of a clean slate experience. Like, okay, Virgo did her work. She filtered through all that which I don't need. And now I have what I need to move forward and to like, it's not try again, 
but it's it there is a shadow of that there's a layer of that because for every libra experience we get a kernel of aries because of that polarity partnership and in aries aries is where we we're like oh we get to begin again i get to do this again i get to do this new i am fresh I've got a clean slate. Here we go. And so with, you know, engaging in that experience, in the Libra experience with that, um, with that flavoring is, is really, really cool. And engaging with it, with the South node, it's going to be pretty potent. Like it's going to, I imagine that it's going to be very much so of a like, oh, I have an awareness of that which I don't want to perpetuate anymore in this life. And I I also have the awareness and the experience and sensation that this is the exact, I'm in the exact right place at the right time in which to begin and re-begin this journey through the context of relationship. Um, So, like any new moon in Libra is going to give us a semblance of that, okay? It's just, it's supercharged because this particular new moon in Libra is really close to where the, the, the lunar nodes are. And so it's just a, it's a, a hyper dose of that. Um, you may or may not feel this. And that's fine. <laughs> it's absolutely fine. You don't, I, and I've, I've gone, gotten on here, at least on the Patreon before. And I've said, don't charge your crystals. Don't make moon water out of this. This isn't necessarily energy that you want to perpetuate. Um, do whatever the fuck you want, friends. And I'm not going to do those things because eclipse season is supercharged. And I've talked about, I've described eclipses before as these quantum, these, these, these time periods that engages in more quantum immediacy than usual. And what the fuck does that mean? That means the metaphor that I often use or the, the word picture that I often use with eclipses, it's you, you have a room and it's set up a certain way. It's decorated a certain way. The, the furniture and the plants and the cats are arranged in a certain way. And you turn on off the light and then you turn it right back on and the room's completely different, right? Some of the furniture has been removed. New furniture, you happen to like this furniture better, or at least your soul does. It aligns with your soul's purpose. <laughs> um it's, but it's different. And so there is an increased need or an increased, uh, um, a need for an increased capacity of letting go-ness and going with the flowness and just chill out. Change is a normal thing. Let's normalize change, right? Cause that's what, that's really what I mean by let's normalize, um, eclipse energy is, Let's normalize being in consistent and con- constant states of change. Now, when we, when we, when I say we, I really mean I personally. When we were going through 
um, hyper, like hyper quarantined COVID. Um, we were watching a lot of fucking change in a very relatively very short period of time. Um, people were dying. Uh, mo- ideas of ideas were dying. Other ideas were being, you know, born and ways of thinking and ways of doing things and paying attention and pointing our energy. Those were a lot of those were changing rapidly for a lot of people on the planet. And so there's an intensity there of already. And there's a, might I argue, a decreased capacity to, there's only so much resilience to go around in our nervous systems, right? Um, So if there is a, if there's only so much resilience in, in our nervous system, um, we've, and we're already like pointing that resilience towards a through X or a, <laughs> a through W, we don't really have a whole lot left over for X, Y, Z, which is like the eclipse or really big astrology. Um, it's, and I'm speaking super personally right now. It's not that way anymore. We have exited the, I would argue, the, the everything is falling apart and I don't know where I'm going and I don't know where to turn and everything's different and I feel like my skin's falling off. I feel like we've exited, a lot of us at least, have exited that season and we're in the season after that, whatever that is. And so as a result, I don't know about you, I have a lot more capacity for resilience and perspective making than I did two years ago. And if you are vibing with that, then I'm speaking specifically to you, um, that there is, we, I feel like we don't have to prepare and set up quite as, as, hardcore of a safe space, quote unquote, for the big astrology. I feel that because of the birth and the death. Sorry about that. I lost my mic. Um, Because of the death and the rebirth that we have gone through in the last three years, three plus years, experiencing more like more deaths and rebirths, which really these new moons and these full moons, the the lunar cycle and any supercharged event within the lunar cycle or representing the lunar cycle or connected to the lunar cycle, it's like we're normal. We've normalized that to our our nervous systems are like, oh, this isn't this isn't something to be scared of. There, yes, there is X amount of sensation here. But I've done, I've done that before and I've done it a lot in much harder ways and harsher ways. And I, we have acclimated, I feel for the the most part to the quote unquote big astrology, at least the big astrology held in eclipses. And so, excuse me. And so I would argue that we can begin to point our, our, toddler-like wonder and fanaticism in more interesting directions. (laughs) Be 
because simply, it sounds like I'm getting snarky and I am because it's me, but, but also like there's, I'm, I'm being real here. These happen many times a year. Okay. These happen often. So are there things that deserve, are more deserving of our attention? Because we have, with the, with the eclipses, it's like, might I say, I've got those down. You know, we've got those down. The quantum part of it, the quantum change, um, the feeling of having something shift you know, there's a disturbance in the force somewhere. It might, it might be really literal and visible and in front of your face. And it might not be. It most likely will not be. It most likely will be something internal. And I fully am aware of that. It is not eclipse season yet. And this eclipse is right on my Saturn, which is squaring my nodes. And it's, it could be easy for me to say this, right? But I also know that know that if kind of the most dramatic uh, elements want to be expressed for me through this particular eclipse, I know I'm going to be okay. I know I'm going to be okay. We've got grit on our side. We've got practice on our side. We've got resilience on our side, and we've got faith and trust in ourselves and in this natural this set of natural laws on our side. We've got a full toolkit, friends. So absolutely engage with this particular astrology as much as turns you on. That is your job to connect with what turns you on. But the second it comes into an element of FOMO, let that shit go. Let that shit go. Be breathed by the eclipse. Be breathed by the universe. Let, as Jessa Reed says, let the universe have its way with you, right? And try your best to have a good time with it. All right, friends, that is it for today's episode. Uh, Once again, if you have any questions or if you want to connect or if you want to be a guest on the pod, Uh, In the upcoming season, I'm going to be having guests and we're going to be talking about um, their experience with astrology in in general, but also more specifically, their experience with their own astrology. Are there specific parts or what are the specific parts of their chart and their own astrology? Maybe they've had a really intense uh, transit or a a transit that has impacted them. more than others. I want to talk to you all about that. Um, This is a really cool next chapter of astrology and stuff. So if you are interested in being a guest and diving into your own astrology on the pod, please hit me up. Uh, You can contact me via uh, Instagram at same pretty life, DM me. And if you're not on Instagram, um, you can email me at uh, astrogeomantica at gmail.com. All right, that's it for today. Thank you, friends. I'll see you next time. Thank you again for being here. So that's it for this episode of Astrology and Stuff. You can come back 
each week for new episodes, and you also have a way to get weekly bonus episodes on my Patreon page. Just search Astrology and Stuff Podcast. Bonus episodes are weekly peeks into the planetary transits where we can get into the astrology of the week and how that may be affecting you and your neck of the woods. Each episode of Astrology and Stuff is written, recorded, edited, and mixed by me, Sempreti Ireland. The music you hear is an original work by Angel Wing. And again, thank you for being here.